Hello and welcome to episode 451 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, the place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. I'm Vince Hunt and joining me as always is the creator of the comic series Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. What was that one? It's perfectly fine, Tony. <laughs> and we were speaking about heartthrobs, so I could only think about one person and that's Tony Esmond. Thank you, mate. You're quite welcome. We are, <laughs> we are, fe- <laughs> we are feeling in a good mood. We are we feeling... Are. We yeah. are feeling, just, we can just feel the love and the love of comics because... We were a little bit excited earlier, but we <laughs> held it back and did a sensible interview. I'm quite proud of it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Only, um, well, no, I can't even say it. Dan makes the best joke during the whole interview, yeah, which I was laughing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there are, <laughs> there's some humour, there's some information, there's talk about history and amazing comics with the one... A little bit of politics. A little bit of politics yeah. and everything in between and classic UK comics. And who do you talk to about that? It's only Garth Ennis. Fucking hell, yes, what, we, what a we, chat. We managed to get Garth Ennis on the show. So, yeah. We, do you know, I, I know we kind of expected it because we've heard this, these like this, but a, a, a good interview, well, I'd say he gave a good interview, and it, it wasn't just about me, 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 like we've no. experienced in the past. This dude talks about how to write, talks about situations, he yeah. talks about research. Ah, oh, some great bits in it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so um, obviously you're going to want to hear all of that instead of us. But the other thing yeah. you've got to do is check out our sponsor. Yes, this show has a sponsor. How unprofessional. Mm. <laughs> and yet we've got a sponsor. And that sponsor is Global Comics, the the place to go for digital comics. Absolutely love them. Um, I mean, we obviously we're doing a sponsorship ad, but on our WhatsApp it's like we're doing a sponsorship ad to each other because the amount of times that we yeah. message each other, I just read this, I just read this, I just read this, and you'll be able to do that with all your friends too because there's a huge library of titles available to read from thousands of indie creators to hundreds of publishers like Image, Boom, Tokyo Pop, TKO Studios, Source Point Press, Humanoids, to name but a few, and the catalogue is still growing all the time. Um, chaps, what titles do you want to mention this week? Can I mention that there is a there is a, a raft of Garth Ennis books on there, mm. and mm-hmm. there is um, the Adventures of the Rifle Brigade, which I read this week. Which I'm going to say I'm not going to ruin it, but it has the best last page in a comic I've read for a long time. I'm going to put and, it on my reading list. And to base maybe six or seven pages just on the song "Hitler's Only Got One Ball, the others in the <laughs> Albert Hall." <laughs> Is a work of fucking genius. genius. Yeah. So written by Garth Innes, art by the the brilliant and sadly passed away Carlos Esquira. It's it's worth your time that one definitely. Mm. Dan, well it, it's been and gone now, but Valentine's Day. Uh, oh, it, I'm still, I'm still feeling. It's usually about a week for you, isn't it, Dan? You sort of live yeah. it for a week, don't you? Year long, mate. Three six five. They do need. Uh, will you be my Valentine's section? We've got several comics. Got a uh, violent love, death of love, heartthrob, two gun death Co. of love. Uh, unsacred sugar loving Never dead and uh, many others i uh read uh, on a side note that Gulliver comic today by milo manero i kind of wish i hadn't read boy. that uh, i didn't, oh, didn't he's, he's i didn't the realize of the trio isn't yeah. It? yeah yeah it was on a sunday as well before we own oh, he refused he referred God. to it as earlier every day we stray further from god <laughs> that's yeah. dan's favorite, that's yeah. favorite meme <laughs> <laughs> i kind of put it down when that was degeneracy Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> so he added... your missus going. Your your face is like bright red yeah. in the living room. Yeah. You're looking yeah. at your laptop. Yeah. Says, what are you looking at? Oh. Nothing. Just no, uh, nothing. Spreadsheets. All he did. All he does before like swiping away is just add to library, which you can do <laughs> oh, with yeah. the Global Comics app. 
You I'm can... preparing a slide deck. <laughs> <laughs> you can not only read all of those great titles, you can follow creators, set reading status filters, release notifications for books you're looking forward to checking out in the future. Um, what I like to do at the moment is basically just create like a vast library like that looks good i'm gonna read that at some point because there's lots of great collections on there as well just just today i checked out firepower which tony's been talking about for ages yeah i've I've just been getting through that rinsing that one but that's a fast read isn't it that one yeah Yeah, man oh yeah there's a few bits that sort of slow down but the the fire bits like when it gets going it's it's fucking brilliant but that was one of those i'm having a browse i i don't want to lose it again so i added it to the library and then i knew where to go to come back to it so it was quite yeah. nice that's all. i started reading that something's killing the children because oh. i've got to recommend i've got oh. loads of titles and they've been blasting through there's one i recommend to check out called recall i might talk about that next week because that's an interesting one brilliant we'll, we'll probably that's, be doing a lot yeah. of this, but um yeah that's and- a wordless comic Oh, so, I read another one. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll we come back to this. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I read another one today that I won't be. Even, oh, probably, we're going to mention so many comics from this app that that you can see elsewhere and creators. And if you happen to be a creator yourself, you can publish your digital comics for free. There's loads of tools for indie creators to help with publishing, marketing, and more. So basically, whether you're an avid comics reader, creator, or maybe maybe you're just new to the hobby, I don't I don't know if this show got you into comics. I don't know how you how we managed to do that if that is the case. But if you do want to check out some great stories, Global Comics is the place for you. For more information, go to globalcomics.com. You can download the app now on Apple App Store or Google Play and start reading digital comics like never before. Brickley, so that we've got that code F bomb. It might still work. Might be the odd one left. Should we give it another go? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, let's have another All in week capitals. Yet. So um, it's a first come, first served uh, code to get uh, a week's access to the app. Sort of try before you buy, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it is the code F bomb, all caps. All caps. The letter. It may F- not be any left, but try yeah. it because yeah. we, we don't know if they will be yeah. used. You get that. access to everything on the site just using yeah. that code. Yeah, yeah. The letter F bomb. B O M B. And I was I was chatting to Cliff. He managed to get in on it, and he was saying that. Um, it was ideal for him because he had like an eight-hour train journey and then stuck at the airport and he, he just read everything, just yeah. went through it. Yeah. It's, it's so good stuff. and it's only going to get better. So thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Thank you to you lovely people for listening to this show and checking it out, whether it be at your start of your week or wherever it was. But we know why you wanted to listen. I don't yeah. know why I, I point at my screen. I point at there's a video. I don't know. I go into full, full presenter mode. I'm pointing at something. <laughs> oh, well. And I can see why. Uh, no, I can't. I can't. The videos aren't on. That looks sore. <laughs> you should see someone about that. But <laughs> while we're discussing what ails us, you should check out this brilliant chat we had with the one, the only, Mr. Garth Ennis. Okay, then. We are hugely pleased this week to be joined by a writer whose credits include some little indie titles you may have heard of. Things like Hitman, Hellblazer, Preacher, The Boys, Johnny Red, Crossed, Sarah, The Punisher. The list of comics goes on and on. And, and certainly we've mentioned quite a lot of those titles on, on the show of the years, haven't we, lads? Um, yeah. But how could we not ask the one and only Garth Ennis to join us? Welcome to the show, Garth. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. This is a, a, a guest slot that feels like an, an inevitability, I would say. Um, <laughs> Um, with with some of the uh, nonsense we talk, it's almost like you've been writing the script for the stuff that comes out of our mouths. So, I feel like uh, I was a member of the <laughs> Rifle Brigade. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, and obviously, 
the credits, I mean, you've had quite the career so far in comics and quite the career to, to come. But let's start, obviously, like, like we do, about how you got started in comics and, and what influenced mm. you. Um, I got started, uh, I submitted a strip to Crisis, which was the British political spin-off from 2000 AD in the late 80s. It was at that time that um, comics were perhaps at the most exciting and dynamic moment in their career, in, in their development. Um, you'd had the kind of Alan Moore, Frank Miller-led revolution of the, the early to mid-80s. The notion of adult comics, which meant many things to many people, um, had come to the fore. Everyone was trying th their own take on it. Crisis was one deadline. Others in the UK, like Strip and Blast and Boom. Um, the Judge Dredd magazine was a spin-off of that. In the US, of course, uh, Karen Berger was pulling her uh, various titles and her group together. She would eventually turn that into Vertigo a few years later. So um, it, it really felt like a time you could do anything. And, you know, the, the mere fact that I started, uh, I, I started out writing a, a political strip about Northern Ireland rather than a future shock for 2000 AD tells you everything about the flavor of the times. Because you, it, it came from a chance meeting in a comic, in the comic shop with John McRae. Is that right? Is that how it sort of started or? Not exactly. Okay. Um, when Crisis launched in uh, the autumn of 88, there was a signing tour. They spent a lot of money on that comic. It, it really was a, a major, uh, a, a great hope for them. Um, they thought it was going to do amazing business, and it did at first. But they, um, they, they sent the writers and artists on a signing tour, and it came to Belfast. Um, uh, to a comic shop, uh, not the one that John McRae ran, actually. Um, right. uh, another one, that one that is now Forbidden Planet Belfast, in fact. But that was where the, the tour came, and I met Pat Mills and Jim Bakey and John Smith, and crucially, the editor, Steve McManus, who, of course, was Tharg yeah. in, in 2080's glory years. And he was the editor of Crisis, and I asked him... Um, would you be interested in a strip about the troubles in Northern Ireland? And he said, that's exactly what crisis was set up to do a, a perfect example. And so I, I got the, I got a, his details. Um, I knew John McRae from the other comic shop, the one that he was running at the time. I knew he was an aspiring artist. He'd, he'd done some stuff for Marvel UK, I think. Uh, asked him, if he would draw it, he agreed, and we sent an, a pitch to to Steve at Crisis. Um, and a few weeks later, on my birthday in January of '89, I called the Crisis office. Just you know, take a punt on it. It's it's my day after all. And to my amazement, they said yes. They said. Um, yeah, we read that and we liked it and we'd like to talk further. And the next thing I knew, John and I were on a plane to London. Wow. Okay. It's such a strange, like that sort of uh, journey into comics. It just, it, it feels like that, that wouldn't happen. That, that doesn't happen anymore. The, the, no, the world is so, it's so different world. now. A little bit yeah. closed off, open, but closed off in a way, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It was, 
It was actually, because we found out later, it was because Crisis, although it had launched to very impressive sales, had slumped rapidly. And I suspect that might have been because all the 2000 AD readers who bought it expecting what they liked, but with a more adult spin, mm-hmm. got something different. They got an intense right. political strip by Pat Mills. The and Third World got, War, yeah. 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 And then they got John Smith and Jim Bakey strip, sort of superhero strip, which was sort of, yeah. sort of Watchmen by way of various other copycat stories really there was a bit of a lot of things you'd seen in in the post watchman era stuffed in that strip and it hadn't gone over terribly well for whatever reason crisis wasn't doing doing all that great and they needed something fast and they went into the submissions pile no doubt holding their noses and what they found from john and i i think was the best of of what was sitting there well, yeah, it was great. I mean, okay, I read it yeah. coming out. I think one of the problems with with Crisis is it started strong because it had that Pat and Carlos story. Yeah, and then yeah. Carlos was wasn't on it that long, was he? I think he went back to the prog to do something, and I think someone um, else took over. Is that right? I wonder if they were on it for a good six months and occasionally right. thereafter. And and I, I found out later that the sales slipped really fast. Right. Um, okay. From eighty thousand. And the first issue to thirty thousand less than six months later. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you really did this? Get this sense of oh, we like this. This is our guys. These are the people we owe. And it's just, right. it's just not quite yeah, what yeah. we were expecting. So was that was that literally the first comic you ever wrote? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So rewind, wow. rewind a bit. What was what was the sort of influences? I know you're a big war comics guy. You know, kind mm-hmm. of, that kind yeah, of what made you want to make comics? Yeah. Really. Um. I think having grown up on 2000 AD and British war comics, uh, like 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 Battle uh, and the picture libraries and Commando and so on, I was heavily influenced by that period in British comics, which about 10 years before the, the 80s revolution that I talked about, you had Battle and Action and 2000 AD kind of laying the groundwork, mm-hmm. creating a place that someone like Alan Moore, for instance, could come along and go, oh, this is... This is good stuff. I could do this. And that this Vertigo is... would rustle yeah. through, wouldn't they? Yeah. 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 So you so it all starts in the 70s with Pat Mills and John Wagner creating those comics. And then you jump to the 80s as the, the promise is fulfilled and developed by the likes of Frank and Alan. And then you jump forward five to ten years and you start to get people like me, Mark Miller, Warren Ellis, people like that, all sort of I suppose grabbing the ball and running with it, really. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you say that your favourite 2008 story is Robo Hunter. Is that right? Yeah. Ah, cool. Yeah, I loved it when I was. I think we're similar ages. Coming out was like nasty fucking mm. stuff. I loved yeah. it. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really he's he, he's a great character. I mean, he's he's one of a number of John Wagner spin-offs of that that sort of tough guy noir. Yeah. American fiction character. You have Dread the Cop. You have Johnny Alpha the Bounty Hunter, kind of a Western story, really. Yeah. And then you have Sam as the hard boiled private eye. But I think what what makes Robo Hunter special for me, it's a couple of things. It's Ian Gibson and the incredible yeah. inventiveness of the artwork. But there's also something unique about Sam. And what, what it is is that he's totally unlike other comic book characters, if you think about it. He's only in it for the money which he never makes any of because of his, his assistant's 
and circumstances conspire to ruin things for him. Um, he's just a guy doing a job. He's not driven like Johnny Alpha, and he's not he's he's not you know a sort of almost fanatic like Dread. He's just a guy trying to make ends meet. Um, and when when you actually see him finally hit it big and he makes 27 billion credits or something, there's a panel where he just goes, I'm rich. And that's it. He quits. And his assistants, <laughs> can't, his yeah. assistants can't understand why he doesn't want to go on having adventures, which, which they think is the point. And if you think about it, there's something quite subversive about that because we as readers want our, our favorite characters to go on having adventures forever. Yeah. We don't really care what happens to them. Whereas Sam was more like, no, no, I'm out now. All yeah. I ever I've <laughs> I have a mortgage off. I, yeah. Yeah. I, do not, I do not want the risk getting killed on a daily basis by giant robots shooting lasers at me. I'm off to Hawaii. And I always thought that was such a brilliant way to, uh, this is largely with hindsight, but, but a brilliant way to develop a character to make mm. her say, no, I am not a hero. I am, I am not your savior. I am not hard bitten anything. I just want to have fun. Unfortunately, I don't have the funds to do it, so I have to keep risking my life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very unusual for comics, I think, for for fiction at all. Yeah, yeah. Because people, you... they put so many layers on characters now, don't they? It's like the the, the there is the arc. They have been now, wronged in the past. Yeah. They there's got to be a huge end goal. But the 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 age old story of someone just doing their job to make some. But money. there's that yeah. punk thing as well going on with 2000 AD, where they went. Now nah, we're just going to have him walk away now. Yeah, yeah. yeah fuck great. you all. I like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard you. I've heard you. Sorry. Go on, go. No, go sorry. ahead. I was, was going to say I've heard you talk about Robo Hunter, and I've also heard you say that your first American comic or superhero comic, rather, was Dark Knight Returns. That's right. And I wondered whether there's a line there between the because there is a lot of very dark humor in Dark Knight as well. People mm-hmm. sort of don't really talk yeah, about it really enough, is. I think. Yeah, and I wonder whether that humor translates into a lot of your more humorous books. You've got quite a dark sense of humor. I think can you so. talk about the origins maybe for that a bit? I think uh, that that comes from partly from 2000 AD, which always yeah. had that that humor in it that, that you're talking about, but also the the kind of uh, TV, uh, the kind of TV shows and movies I watched growing up. Most obviously the young ones, uh, also the comic strip presents, also Blackadder. Um, it's dark. It's funny. It's nasty. It's quite anarchic. It's quite zany. Um, and when you when you see something like Dark Knight, which as well as being um, as well as being extraordinarily well written and drawn, th- there is something nasty running through it. There's a, there's a vein of very nasty humor that that goes through it. Um, you know, Batman has well, Bruce Wayne has quite a dry wit. Mm. Um, when you see the Joker get going, you realize he's just this sort of chaotic force of horror um, who, who's basically going to laugh his way through hundreds mm. of murders. I, I felt that Dark Knight brought that out in a way that very few other Batman comics that I would then go on to read ever did because there's something incredibly po-faced about many Batman character uh, comics, about the way they the writers treat the character, I think mm-hmm. it's it's something that perhaps they they feel to to pick up on from Dark Knight. Yeah, you can yeah. see that, that Bruce Wayne is as well as being insane enough to dress up as a bat and go out and fight <laughs> crime. Yeah, you know, has a has a degree of wit and self awareness about what he does. 
you see it in year one as well. You don't see it in many other Batman comics. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I th- and I think humor is vastly underrated in the longevity of a lot of these stories. These classic <laughs> stories that we talk about now, you know, no matter how Evergreens, dark they got, yeah. there is that underlying humor. It could be straight up satirical, it could be absurdist, yeah. but there's always something, isn't there? Like someone's like, oh, do you remember that moment in that story, which is like a brutal story, but the line they remember is that funny death yeah, or that, it's, just, just yeah. something like that, yeah. isn't it? Is that something that's always been important to your to your work? No matter how dark it gets, there's always a slight angle and of a bit of humor, heart as well. A bit yeah. of humor and heart in there. I, th- I think so. One of my favorite writers is a novelist called Derek Robinson, and he writes um, he writes a mixture of uh, war stories and spy stories. And he said that and there, there's a, a very strong streak of extremely black humor that runs through them. I mean, they, they are not for the faint of heart. But I read a piece he wrote and he said humor is one of the essential colors in the spectrum of life. And if you remove humor from from any given situation, you do not make your account of it more true. And mm. I, 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 yeah. I, I really took that to heart. Um, I, I believe, you know, people will crack jokes um, and uh, in the ghastly of si- ghastly yep. situations and, and find humor. Uh, at the worst times, mm. uh, and to ignore that, I think, uh, really does does the story no mm. good whatsoever. Yeah, people who live in the extremes of life, you know, soldiers and police and yeah. doctors, they all have that terrible gallows. Well, I think it's pretty good, but they have this sort of gallows humour, don't they? Yeah, you know? it's a coping mechanism. Yeah, I remember so. hearing a story about a doctor, and they had a junior doctor, and he went, go and check that patient over in that room. And they came back, and he went, he's dead. He's died. Yeah, he's been dead a couple of hours. And that was like how they kind of ingratiated him in. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the stories you get off them, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, is, is that the sort of characters you like to read? Have you got any sort of preferences? And I'm going to lead on from that to the characters you like to write, if there's a comparison. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I like characters to have at least some kind of a sense of humour, or if, they're don't, if they don't, there should be a definite point to that. Mm. Yeah. Um, even the characters in Crossed uh, yeah, would, yeah. Occasionally, would occasionally make some funny at some point because you, you just couldn't imagine them going on without it. Um, mm. You'd be living life as an automaton without it. So yeah. yes, it it is important. I mean, um, if you if you look at the books with which I, I kind of made and maintained my name, Preacher and the Boys and Hitman, there's some funny stuff. Oh yeah. In, in most of the issues that, that you see, and even the Punisher, um, Frank has has a sort of he has a sense of humor. You don't see it much, mm-hmm. okay. see it often at all. Uh, but he has a, he has a sort of Midsummer Death Valley dry wit that will occasionally come to the fore. Um, it would be hard for him not to. I think yeah, but yeah. also you get the humor coming through the situations being put in like the kind of the, the absurdist humor of stuff that's happening to the characters mm-hmm. and the fates they're enduring. And it's not, yeah, we read, kind of... we read Hitman, the Christmas special. We was reading yes. Christmas, Christmas book for the podcast. Oh yeah. And yeah. we read that and that's proper good, man. That was right? a joy. Yeah. 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 Kudos yeah. on the, on the poetry, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, if, if you were to draw, uh, we were talking about drawing lines. If there was one book of mine, where you can see that 2000 AD influence in general and Robo Hunter specifically, uh, in terms of influence, yes, it would be Hitman. 
Okay. Uh, mm. They are both just guys doing a job, slightly different jobs, but just guys doing a job and they'd rather be somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're surrounded by lunacy. Yeah. Is, they, is that you, yeah. by the way, we meant, is that you in the bar? Because there's, there's three blokes at the back of the bar doing this sort of drinking game where they got to hold their heads like that. Is that meant to be you? Can you remember? I don't think so. Um, okay. I, I think that might be friends of John. Okay. Right. okay. He was always yeah. drawing his friends into, into various things. <laughs> That's right. awesome. Is yeah. The, yeah, it's the easiest reference, isn't it, for an artist? Like, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, when you're drunk. In the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so it does, okay. sorry, leading on to that. So what are the characters over the years that you've most enjoyed writing? I don't really mean particularly the central characters, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you've got like Kit and Nat the Hat and you've got all these characters, secondary, but like big, big characters. Is there anyone you've really enjoyed? Um, There are few that I haven't. Okay. Really. okay. Yeah. Um, there are definitely some where uh, I enjoyed writing them for a while and then realized a sort of course correction was needed. Uh, Cassidy and Preacher. I always knew had some sort of a dark past, but as the book progressed and, and I felt that he was becoming maybe a sort of a one note rogue character. I thought, okay, let's let's think about his past and uh, and let's let's consider how he got where he is and and if you're if you're a hundred year old teenager, which he effectively is, um, what what sort of self control have you had and what kind of damage might you have done over the years? Uh, so I always enjoyed writing Cassidy, but that was that was something where I. I I felt that I needed to go a bit further than I'd originally intended. Okay. Um, if you're talking about characters that I, I've written that I didn't create, um, gosh, there must be a few, but um, but but I would have gotten really gotten out of that job as quickly as possible. Mm. I suppose <laughs> I suppose you might consider that the crossovers that John and I had to do on Hitman. Okay. Yeah. It was a DC Universe book, and the Piper had to be paid, and occasionally we would have to have a guest star. Um, we usually made sure we put them through the ringer, like Green Lantern mm-hmm. or whoever. Um, or we had to, to go through one of those awful Batman crossovers right. where Gotham, all of Gotham City or the entire DC Universe would have to participate in this yeah. in this nonsense. And... and writing a book set in gotham city you understand the score you know you're gonna have to do this Hmm. Uh, sometimes you can get some some sort of creative elements out of this you just didn't he throw up on batman that's right i'm right saying that it's been a while since yeah good yeah 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 i mean one thing that's um been quite prevalent through all of your books even like if it's a solo character is the importance of the supporting cast and mm-hmm. I think I think for like some writers out there, or creators out there, they think of their character that it could be an indie character. Here is the Superman, you know, for want of a better term, the, the Superman. Superman of the, book. The, the, yeah. the title of the book is this mm-hmm. one person, and they think so much about that that hero that everyone else is secondary. But in your books, I've noticed that the supporting cast are as important, if not more important. I mean, for instance, in Punisher, there's many issues where you're seeing him through the eyes of someone else telling the story for instance mm-hmm. do, you, do you find i mean what is 
the importance of a good oh, supporting just, cast. Can I just back up what you're saying, Evie? Because I read the I reread the Hellblazer birthday issue today. It's like one mm-hmm. of my favorite comics ever, man. And that's the same for that one. You know, you, you've got a developed backcast there. Yeah, it could be. It could be another uh, sort of residual of the 2000 AD era. Um, if you look at the classic characters there, they their supporting cast tend to go a bit a bit beyond the usual American superhero yeah. girlfriend with sidekick thing. Mm. Uh, you get some very odd characters um, sort of populating those strips. Sam has Hoagie and Stogie. Um, Nemesis has Grobin Dog and eventually Rojo's. Um, uh, if you look at um, Strontium Dog, uh, all, all right, there's Wolf on the one hand, but there's also the Gronk, and then there's also people like Middenface and the other weird mutants yeah. on the doghouse. And I think what I learned from that was to, to build up a sort of decent, uh, functional supporting cast that, 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 that are also a bit out of the ordinary. And that's why in Hitman, you have you have the regulars in Noonan's, who are all hitmen too, you know, of, of varying capability. But you also have Baytor behind the bar, and you have six packs staggering around the place. And there's just an assumption that this is a weird place and it attracts weird people. But it does go back, I think, to that 2000 AD ethos, which is to just populate the thing with as many oddballs as possible. And again, not just have the girlfriend, the sidekick, to go beyond that. Yeah. 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 One of the things I found you do, I don't tell me if I'm right or wrong here, is you almost pause the action sometimes. I know you did it with Preacher in the bar scenes. You did mm. it in Hellblazer with the birthday, Heartland, for example. You know, especially in Hitman in the bar. You, it's not all action, action, action. You need to sort of almost pull back and give a give a, a section of character. Is that something you, you try to do all the time? Or even yeah. in Sarah, you've got the stuff where they're making a meal at the start, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um um, well, with, with Sarah, what I'm trying to get across, I suppose, is just the sheer ordinariness of their lives out of combat. Right. Where they put, where with the uh, with the resources they have at their disposal, they've tried to make life normal. So they've got their little house, even though there's a tank stuck in it. And one girl yeah. likes to knit uh, and the other one likes to do her hair. And they sit around and talk about, whatever's going on but it's not necessarily the latest strategic news from the front or anything like that it's just the kind of things people talk about yeah and of course sarah walks in and she's the one that's not like the others and she kind of interrupts all that hmm. because even her friends aren't aren't 100 percent sure about her um when when you this doesn't apply to Sarah so much, but uh, uh, some of the longer runs on things like I've done like, like Hellblazer like Hitman preacher all the others punisher um i've talked i've talked to other writers about this brian vaughn and i have talked about this and when you're doing a long run on something um whether it be something you've created or a company-owned character somewhere at the back of your mind is alan's run on swamp thing because there's an example of a guy coming onto an existing character um changing it beyond recognition and then and building building up that character and a supporting cast and taking him through 40 or 50 issues. And Alan did all those things. He would have dream sequences that wandered away from the plot, apparently. 
he would have issues that were about minor characters. I think Chester, the drug-taking hippie, gets an issue all to himself, okay. things like that. Um, you get long sequences mm -hmm. where characters who would normally only get a panel or two of exposition um, are able to really show you what they're about. Um, ultimately, you get Constantine. And so that that run, uh, being at the, at the back of your mind when you're telling a longer story, it really does cast a very long shadow. What what Alan showed could be done there um, when you when you take the focus off the lead for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a massive influence. Always will be. And it useful to you. You find it. Does it help develop things elsewhere yeah. in the story for you? You know? Yeah, you you're aware that you're building something. That's yeah. what Alan did. Um, probably on on that book more than any other, because of course his his others are what, ten to twelve to sixteen issues, whereas on mm. that one he did forty or forty-five or something like that. Okay. Mm. Uh, you're aware that you're building something and that you're you're filling in all the the various different aspects of the background and the characters and and at the end of it you should have this uh you, you should have this entire structure this entire narrative structure um but when, when i do it and brian said when he, when he does it we are thinking about what alan did there Mm. interesting yeah, yeah. The, la the landscape of like uh comics runs has changed obviously so much in in the past like 30 40 years you know even the past 10 years is yeah big dramatically time. so you know we've talked so many times about those wonderful they usually around 60 issue runs of vertigo mm. whether it be scalped or it be preacher or you know all of these i think your punisher max series ran for about 60 issues as well was it, it did, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 60 seems to be the sweet number for garth ennis does, um, and, and vertigo and stuff really doesn't yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well it's five years so five years is a nice okay. time okay yeah 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 so so you you say about five years and like i can't take this anymore i need to go somewhere so after five years you take a holiday is that right is that the... it's <laughs> you feel you feel from the start or fairly near the start how much you've got to say and how much life there is in the thing um after all if a story is going to have any power at all it's going to need an ending yeah um because otherwise you're just you're just you're just going to trot the thing out forever yeah and that's going to steadily detract from whatever power you, you, you've given the thing. Mm. Um, so you, you do sort of feel like, all right, I want five years to really let these characters go and take them on their journeys and, and see how they develop and how things work out for them. And then I want to give I want to give their lives and this story meaning with an ending. Mm. Um, okay. Hitman would have been an easy one to keep writing, but it would have gotten stale. And given the nature of those characters who lived by the gun, well, the um, their ending was going to be was always a fairly obvious one to me. Uh, likewise, the boys, violent world leads to a violent end. Preacher was a little different in that because it's because it's such an American story and an mm -hmm. idealistic story in its own way. Um, everyone got a second chance. Uh, I probably would not do that today, but okay. that that was a far more idealistic story than yeah. than I I tend to write nowadays. Mm. Okay, man. Yeah. yeah. So, do yeah. you think the landscape of like six issue arcs to build a story is like is sort of because that's normally like a trade, isn't it? Six to eight issues. That, that seems yeah. to be the ongoing. What's, what's Ribbon Queen? Is that ten? Is it? It's going to be ten. Uh, yeah. Eight. I think the eight. last okay. issues, last issues out next month. Oh, I, right. I'm okay. usually yeah, comfortable. 
with about six to eight. Okay. Um, I've got a new one uh, coming up soon. Uh, I think it's just been announced from Ahoy Comics called Babs. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. And it's about it's about a barbarian woman um, uh, in a sort of a sword and sorcery story. And her first story will be six issues. And uh, I would definitely like to do more. Um, the, the idea of doing series of mini series is an interesting alternative to that five year model we talked about. Yeah. Mm. Because you might not, you might not. I wouldn't want to write Bob's uh, for for five years or Marjorie Finnegan or Code Pro uh, or. Jimmy's bastards, but certainly I'd like to come back yeah. and tell stories about them until I think, right, I have said everything mm. I need to with this character. I now want to move on and do something new. That's it's another... almost like the Hellboy model, isn't it? Yeah, he does the same, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a good way of doing it just because it it keeps things fresh. Um and it means that you can pull the plug when you feel it really is time to when it is riding off into the sunset time, you know. And you can just say, right, no more after this. Yeah, you don't want to leave leave on a cliffhanger. Cliffhangers could be the worst if you never come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I just love you called them Marjorie and Babs. They're proper old school names. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they are like that. Yeah, yeah. I was just (laughs) think you've been quoted as saying, uh, was it Charlie's Wolf was like your kind of the go to war comic? Uh, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I point to that as the first great achievement in in war comics and probably their, their greatest to this day. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, that one, that, that's one of those combinations of, of uh, art and, and writing that you, you find very, very rarely. That one's very special indeed. Yeah. Sort of mm, yeah. So, how, have you ever chatted to Pat about it? Have you ever sat down? I know you both got an interest in the great war and stuff. Is it something you'd sit down and chat to him about? Uh, No, not, not really. I mean, I haven't, uh, I don't know Pat terribly terribly well. Um, I've met him about twice in the past twenty or thirty years. I, I knew him at first when we when I started out on Crisis. Crisis but, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But after that, no, no, not really. Um, I, I mean, paid good money to listen to that talk. Oh, though, totally, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pat has a very um, a very sort of that definite idea of what Charlie's war is all about and what he was, what he was doing with it. Um, again, I think he achieved something incredible, <clears throat> but I think it was almost a once in a lifetime thing, really yeah. um, a guy writing for a British boys comic mm. in the 1970s and eighties was up against uh, who was up against um, restrictions that I can't even begin to imagine. And yet still managed to achieve yeah. what mm. he achieved um i think what i think what you have there is something very very special it's possible he might not be able to do it again yeah. uh he's certainly done other incredible stories but i wonder if you if that perfect storm of talent joe's great wasn't it? Yeah. and yeah. circumstance yeah. uh could ever be found again i, I doubt it mm. yeah and the yeah. subject love, matter and it. and like the history of it and mm. of, of course it's very important to be very true to what i mean the subject matter of charlie's war when when you say oh it was in a weekly uh kids comic do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. That, that people won't understand that the subject matter of that was so deeply dark personal obviously very true um it's it's crazy looking back on it now you just think it's another classic example of well they wouldn't be able to do that now 
and well <laughs> researched as well. He yeah, had the, he yeah. Took the, the time research. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which brings yeah. us on to research because yes. that's something we've yeah. all we've all wanted yes. to ask you about this because um, mm-hmm. having read a lot of your books and uh, of course Sarah, Sarah's like was one of our picks for a few years ago. I absolutely love that book. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read it yet, people read it. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but there is that sense of uh, you you're enjoying the adventure, you're enjoying the story, you're getting to know the characters and the support. But when I was reading that book, as as well as some of your, your others, I also got a sense of. He's done his research. This isn't totally. just this isn't just empty Hollywood explosions. There's more to it. So how so we don't get pay, you, you don't get paid to do your research. I'm guessing, no. Garth. It's uh, no. it's got to be an interest to yours already, no. is it? Or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it it if we go back to Battle and those other British war comics I talked about, they sparked an interest uh, for me in military history. I think because the understanding that this wasn't fantasy or science fiction or sword and sorcery this was based on something that happened Mm. um or things that had happened to people real people had done these things not just charlie's work um uh, but also johnny red hms nightshade darkies mob things like that um you understand that allowing for the hyperbole of a british boys comic of the 70s and 80s what you are seeing are things that that happened in real life to real people. Um, so that from that, I get an interest in military history. And when when you talk about research, um, yes, I do. But but at the same time, I've what you're looking at really are, are sort of the fruits of a lifetime of reading about okay. this. Stuff. Mm-hmm. So the research, in a way, is almost already done. Yeah. Um, it's it's from reading all this stuff that the memoirs. And the history, um, and sometimes also uh, even things like fiction written by participants. Mm. Sometimes mm. you'll read novels by people who did the things talked about in the story, but they're not completely comfortable uh, giving you a direct account of what they did. For probably aren't allowed to, I guess. Yeah, or or just a lot of it depends on how the guy feels about it. Yeah how he's processed some of the extreme things he had to do but anyway i've read all this stuff i've absorbed it um and what that means is that i'm very comfortable writing in the voice of various different characters from those situations and those eras and when i do when i set out to write a new war story any research i do is really just fine tuning um which battle happened where and what sort of rifle did the guy carry mm-hmm. and when did they when did they arrive at the bridge and what can this tank do and would this aeroplane be able to do what I'm suggesting? But the the broad strokes and in fact a lot of the details are already there mm-hmm. and have been for some time. Um that's why that's why I suppose it comes across like it's so heavily researched. It it is, but yeah. it's wasn't done specially for that story it's it, it's stuff i've been reading my whole life it's another example of you... write what you know isn't it really because if you yeah. really knew this stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean i've, I've heard you not that i know yeah. combat not that i know life <laughs> in the military uh thank god but i will say that enough veterans have come up to me and told me yeah. that i nailed it Amazing. that i think i must be getting something yeah. right Excellent. Have, have you ever interviewed anyone like a veteran or maybe I know you've mentioned that the SAS have appeared. Have you ever had an invite to Hereford or anything like that? Is that something you'll go to that point or? No, I'm in touch with a couple of guys. I did meet a Tuskegee Airman 
Oh, okay. Right. okay. Uh, that was interesting. When I when I did that book, Dreaming Eagles, uh, for Aftershock a few years ago, um, some fellow enthusiasts of mine arranged me for me to meet this guy, uh, uh, Dr. Roscoe Brown, who uh, at that point lived up in the Bronx. Uh, sadly, he, he he died a few years ago, um, but he was 94 when I spoke to him. Wow, um, okay. Now, you know, he was 94, so he couldn't tell you much about what he'd done the week before, but he certainly remembered <laughs> yeah. shooting down a Nazi jet fighter over Berlin in 1945. Wow. wow. And he remembered yeah. how he did it. And he was he was quite self-effacing talking about it. But it was it was really interesting because, you know, here's this uh, this elderly guy living in the Bronx. He's got a nice view out over the uh, uh, out over the borough to the river. Um, and uh, and he and he has this crystal clear memory of, of aerial combat over Berlin at the. Uh, the climax of the Second World War. Um, interestingly, he told me that he he met some German pilots after the war, and um, he said that it was really interesting to compare notes and compare thoughts and compare equipment and so on. Because he said being a fighter pilot's like being an Olympic athlete, and you kind of want to know what the other guy's thinking. You kind of want to know his strategy and right. his experiences. Wow! wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I uh reading the back of uh Punisher Born, which is one of my favorites, there's mm -hmm. a lot of kind of notes from the artist of Derek Robertson about mm -hmm. the, the the kind of period. Yeah. How's the kind of the, the, your take on kind of like when you're writing Frank in these the, the Vietnam uh stories? Uh how how do you go about approaching that? Um well, actually, Vietnam is a the Vietnam War is a subject that I've long had a great deal of interest in. Um, it 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 goes back, in fact, again to battle, to right. reading a strip called "Fighting Man" by uh, Alan Hebden and Cam Kennedy, yeah. um, which is not a bad look at uh, at that particular conflict. Um, it's not as brutal as it might be, but then on the other hand, it was for ten year old boys in nineteen. Mm. 19... Um, it's not, uh, it's perhaps a little fairer to the Americans than it is to their opposition. And it has a kind of a, it kind of, it kind of has an adventure story laid against the background of the war. But in terms of the territory that Alan is able to cover in it, it's quite an interesting look at the war. And that I think is is where my interest began and it was then fed by the the big vietnam movies of the 80s hmm. um most obviously full metal jacket yeah it was around that time i think that there was a resurgence of interest in the war you had that nam comic from marvel yeah what did, what did you think That's... of that Goth? um i thought the first 10 or 12 issues with art by um was golden it? Michael Golden, Golden. Golden. Yeah. Golden were yeah. pretty damn good. Um, yeah. I thought it was a really honest attempt, again allowing for the restrictions uh, that that are that were placed uh, on the writer and artist. A pretty decent attempt to show a sort of grunt's eye view of the the day to day realities of the war. Um, I think the problem came later when seals started to slip and they started trying to uh, oh, okay. pump it up with superheroes and helicopters and, even, and yeah yeah you know they shouldn't you know the punisher was in there the punisher shouldn't have been in there because if you are doing a sort of verite book about the vietnam war you can't really have this guy from the marvel universe 
stepping into it and muddying things up. But it was it was all these things that that developed my interest in the war. And and I think if I had to sum it up, it would be that it's it's where the American story in the twentieth century goes wrong. It's, so you have this yeah. this liberator figure, the the GI and the Marine, two of them. Sorry, these figures from World War Two who freed a great deal of of the of the occupied nations from uh nazi and japanese tyranny um fast forward 20 25 years and they are the most generous way i can put it is they're an occupying force uh they join they join an extremely brutal war that's already in progress they accelerate it exacerbate it it becomes a bloodbath and those figures become seen sadly as something else entirely. Um, mm. and therefore, in a way it is the perfect birthplace for a character like the Punisher mm. yeah. who, who has that smack of America gone wrong about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Him being born in the Gulf War never felt the same, did it? No. no. You know, no. I think, the, I think the thing is as well, I, I get what you're saying about, because I'm, I, I think we're of a similar age. So I watched Platoon, Full Metal Jacket, Hamburger Hill, all these sort of movies. Yeah. You know, there was a genuine interest in war, but now, well, I think we've almost hitting that again with the Ukraine conflict and social media. And there's, there's, there's whole rafts of accounts and stuff on there that all they're doing is talking about the tanks that are used, the, the uh, the drones that are used, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is that something you follow now as well, or is it really a historical? Are you got? I am generally more interested in the historical stuff. My interest in Ukraine uh, really revolves around the notion that I hope it doesn't go nuclear and kill us all. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah. Um, Gaza, yeah, yeah. If you look at uh, if you look at the way uh, the thing began and people understandably uh flock to the uh to the ukrainian side to the support of ukraine and you see the little um blue and yellow marks on people's social media and people are talking about uh how many so russian tanks are being destroyed and ukrainian soldiers are being turned into heroes and so on and so forth and, and all very understandable but it's it's two years on and I think a lot of people who perhaps had the impression that it was going to be over more quickly and that war was largely like a video game with exciting little clips of footage and, and action. Um, I think they're saying that I see what they're looking like is looking at really is is something more like a quagmire and it's going to be a nasty, messy business. We're still that might be the best that we can hope for. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah if we assume that all concerned are not just about to put down their weapons shake hands and go home and um, we hope that uh it won't turn into an, a, an atomic conflagration that that ends all our problems overnight then perhaps a quagmire that claims thousands of lives is the best that we can hope for in comparison with an inferno that takes us all away or, or it takes yeah. millions of lives. And that's, that's a sort of, that's one of those realistic aspects of war that I don't think a lot of people are ready for. I don't think we're ready to read it. I think you might yeah. be right, man. Yeah. And looking back on, I mean, yeah. Vietnam is so long ago now looking back on that and reading about it is an easier thing. Consumption, isn't it? I think for a lot of people, I, I think so. I mean, Viet yeah. the lesson from Vietnam was don't do Iraq, but they yeah. <laughs> yeah. learned that one. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
I watched uh, Chuck Norris's Mission in Action this week. That's a, a, very, a very real take on the I mean, Vietnam I mean, War. I mean, we, we, I mean <laughs> it's about realism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this took a swing. <laughs> well, for for real verite, of course, I prefer Rambo: First Blood Part Two, which I think <laughs> you'll see the best of the uh, an honest mid-eighties look at the Vietnam War, <laughs> but with a lot more cocaine. That's how yeah, I feel yeah, about that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 The kicker at the end of Rambo Three, when it's like this is this film was dedicated to the brave fires of the Mushahideen, so that, that aged really well. <laughs> yeah, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Actually, there there is one terrific Afghanistan movie. It's called maybe you've seen it. It's called The Beast. It's about a it's about a it's an American movie made in Israel about a Soviet tank crew in Afghanistan in the mid eighties. And it has um, it has a number of people you'll recognize. Like there's there's the youngest Baldwin is in it, George Duns is in it, a bloke from The Mummy is in it. The hero is the guy from The Lost Boys, Jason Patrick. Oh wow, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's about these guys, this uh, Russian tank crew, cut off from their unit, trying to get their tank across the desert while being hunted by a band of mujahideen. Wow. Uh, okay. And it's really, really good. Actually, it's um, it, it's a an interesting foretaste of what waited for American and uh, and British forces uh, twenty years later. Right. They, they, I mean, tank crews are always um, always makes for a good movie, didn't it? They're, yeah. They're, I mean, like Fury's like that. Fury yeah. was recently as well, and they're. I think it's because. You've almost, I mean, they're, they're literally in a box, aren't they? You've got yeah, a, small, yeah. a small group within a box. They're a sort of brotherhood that you can focus in on. In a pressurized container, and there's like, they've got to work together because yeah. there's nightmare around. Yeah. 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 It's like a very, very small submarine movie. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you, um, and you also have, you have a good team story. Mm. Uh, you know, you have four or five guys, each has a specialty, though there can be conflict between them, but ultimately work together to survive. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um. Obviously, we we brought up Punisher: Born there, but um. Also, Punisher: Platoon was another yeah. another highlight. Yeah, we're massive um, fans of that. Um. Both of which. Um. When it comes to like Frank Castle within the Vietnam War, going back to the Vietnam War, um. You write it very much from. We we know Punisher as usually it's his voice in his head telling the story a lot of the time. You know that's the beauty mm-hmm. of it. But when it comes to Vietnam, you sort of angle it other people looking at him he's a force of net you know he's this figure why do you yeah. choose to do that rather than have it from the voice in frank's head i think because um what i'm trying to get across is the idea that it could really have gone either way mm. it's just that you had this guy who went out there he was good at the job wasn't initially very attracted to the job, but he got better and better and better at it. And it answered something within him. Mm-hmm. And he made choices. He was made offers. I think at the end of the, of the platoon, um, special forces come calling, or at least someone asks if he wants to, to sign up for a second tour. And at that point, it is still answering some sense of mission that he has. Um, he, he responds to the idea of looking after his men and getting them through. And I suppose at that point he falls into the fatal trap because you see him on a second tour in the, uh, the Fury series, the Vietnam part of that. And he is very obviously settled in as a kind of special forces sniper. Um, 
the new one, Get Fury, you're going to see what happens after that. And, oh, and great. It, Don't it, wait. Will, it will end uh, sort of in the run up to Born. So you'll understand Frank's progression. Uh, it's really the, the, the last part of Frank's progression from regular soldier and competent, well, very capable platoon commander through special forces uh, killer through to eventually the guy at Bourne who uh, is addicted to war, hmm. addicted to killing. Um, hmm. There's there's something there's something inside him that is answered by all this chaos and carnage. So this new one will bridge that gap, I suppose. And when's it out, Garth? Is it soon or? Um, I think they just announced it. I think um, I think it's oh, is it May? Pretty sure it's oh, okay. May. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Six we'll be, issues. We'll be all right. over that, like Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 That that Fury book. I remember this is a true story. I remember being told a mate of mine said, "Oh, I got a friend coming over from Australia. He's a vicar," and I went for <laughs> dinner with them, and I bought him that Fury book, oh, the yeah. trade of it, and I'd actually read it read it in issues, and I'd forgotten there was all those dead hook all those hookers <laughs> in the room with oh, him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he opened it up. Literally opened it up on that page. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, there because you there you go. Yeah, <laughs> so I got I gave it to a vicar. Quite proud of that. Yeah, nice going. Yeah, yeah, real. <laughs> well, we we did get more than one letter uh, to preacher. Uh, people saying my dad's a preacher and I bought him this and he was horrified <laughs> and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> nice. I thought it would be the perfect <laughs> gift for him and and you're thinking like so you you just saw the title you didn't yeah at the cover you didn't flip through it you just saw preacher and that was it that's all yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so you've printed off those letters and they're framed in your office is that what we're saying? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what I, yeah, yeah. I have a few i have a few few of my favorites kicking about i used to get yeah. some very funny stuff god uh, did you get anything from column. wormwood because by that stage um there were no more letter columns really okay oh i do miss um, them i do miss them yeah yeah yeah, they were good fun. Actually, that was that was where I, I I've mentioned this to people before, but that was where uh, I actually really did get censored on preacher, okay. right. not the strip, the letter column, because the way it was the way it was explained to me was the letter column is the voice of DC Comics. Okay, okay, and I said, but it's it's not. It's me. It's got my name at the end of it. It's plainly me. And they're like, yeah, well, it's policy um looking back um it's surprising i was able to say and publish some of the things i actually did <laughs> um, but there were a lot of things there that got cut because they, they just said no we we cannot have this in a dc comic we just can't yeah. the, the golden age before social media wasn't it i guess yeah i suppose so yeah yeah it, yeah. it was right when i mean if you consider preacher was 95 to 2000 it was right before it was during the time the internet became what it what it was becoming and it was it was definitely in the era before social media yeah yeah oh those happy days yeah <laughs> okay well obviously like the content and the stories and i know you said before that preachers quite hopeful in a way and let the boys and as thing goes on is more cynical um here's a very simple question what makes you happy garth how can we make you happy? <laughs> um, well, you'll still see me do some of the wilder, zanier stuff. Mm. Um, 
there are bits in Marjorie Finnegan and you'll see in Bob's and there's been other stuff like uh, Code Pro and so on, where I think you're seeing things that would fit quite comfortably in Preacher or at least with that tone. They're just not necessarily accompanied by that um, glorious Western sunset, slap the horse and ride off, you know, mm. in, in, into the into all that the, the into the the golden sky um i think i think the more i write about the real world the harder i find it to be idealistic about it um does that mean you're leaning more towards fantastical rather than the real world now is that what you're leaning more towards no it's it's more that i i will do both in my mm. writing i'll do marjorie and bob's Mm. and jimmy's bastards on the one hand and their fantasy but on the other hand i'll continue to do war stories and horror stories like the ribbon queen and so on it's just that when i when i write the more uh the more realistic stories the more or perhaps just real world stories um you'll be you'll be less likely to see a preacher type ending um if i can digress for a second go for it sure Um, a, a great a great many people uh, particularly on the progressive left, I think, seem to see the answer as the maintenance of the moral high ground, which I would argue is why they never get anywhere near political power. Um, I think the left needs to learn a lesson from the right, which is to get involved in politics, to get elected uh, at local and national levels to take control of everything from your local school board to your library um, to your local council and further on up the ladder. I think that's how you make a difference. Um, it is, it's very hard to get that idea across in adventure fiction because, of course, what you see all the time is you, t- you see people taking high moral stands and it mm. working out for them. Right. Uh, I find it harder and harder to write that, looking at the world, harder and harder to write that with any real sense of conviction. If you look at the Ribbon Queen, um, what you'll the, the last issue isn't out yet, but what you see is a character, Amy Sun, who finds herself enormously compromised during the destruction of some very, very dark forces in the world. She's had to to, to make that moral compromise to get that done. Uh, simultaneously, her cousin, I think it is, is the kind of person, um, the kind of progressive left figure who uh, morally is in great shape because she fights her battles on social media or with activism or with protest. Exactly what that achieves, well, I'll leave you to figure out my opinion on that. But I, as I say, I find it hard to write stories where that yields much in the way of fruit uh, with any great conviction. Yeah. Long way around the barn there. but I No, think- I agree with you, yeah, man. I think, I think yeah. it depends on people's views and what activism is. Some people think that typing on Twitter is activism. But to me, standing for Parliament and getting in and making actual changes, making actually doing people, yeah, something, yeah, working. is much preferred to that. There's a lot of people talking about good things and not a lot of people doing yeah. it these days. I yeah. Think, yeah. 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 Otherwise, I think you, you, you sort of seed the initiative to the opposition and... Yeah. Uh, in both your country and mine, mm. we can see the results, and it's not much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. such a strange whole... time. You're especially over there, man. The political scene is a mixed bag, and it over there, dear me. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you have. I think the right people are uh, the right people are in power as regards the presidency and part of the legislature. Um, but what might happen in November, God alone knows. Well, we don't know, um, do we? Yeah. In the in the UK, on the other <laughs> hand, the, the wrong people are very much in power, but <clears throat> unfortunately. Um, while they're, I'm, I'm certain they're about to get kicked out. But unfortunately, just like last time in the 90s, they've pretty much ruined a big chunk of the country before they've made themselves on a left. Yeah, financially ruin the country before you close the door and leave. And then who, what are they going to be left with? It's going to be a bounce about government. We're going to get yeah. three terms, yeah. three, uh, one term, one term, one term, like you're getting in the States at the moment. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. I think you could well be right. Um, essentially because, well, this is an example of what I mean. Um Sadly, the left relied too much on maintenance of the moral high ground rather than getting in there and getting their hands mm. dirty. Um, and rather than them defeat the Tories, the Tories have had to have been have had to have been relied on to defeat themselves by simply yeah. following their true natures. Yeah, um, done a great job of that. Exactly, and being exactly in so long in yeah. um, mm. in ninety seven. Yeah. There's a yeah, lot of uh, time, shouting though. messages without actually having <clears throat> conversations. It's uh, which yeah, we also, talk a lot about that. Also, yeah. comics sometimes feels the brunt of that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. totally. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, th- I think, obviously, throughout all these times in history, um, you know, they're always politics is always turbulent, and it's always interesting to see what comics pop out. You know, 2000 AD existed; it didn't just pop out of nowhere. It was inspired. Mm. Um, yeah, there's all these theories about good comics come from hard times. It's, there's that little theory, isn't there? You know, when you think 2000 AD came from a time of the the three day working week and all this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not so sure, but we'll see. I see so many. Um, I mean, if you look at if you look at the 90s when you had some of the stuff I talked about. Yeah. Uh, was the, boom, the Britain, wasn't was it? Yeah. A much more optimistic time. I mean, obviously, it was a veneer over some very bad things that were going on in the world. But it felt like a more optimistic time, a less desperate time. Um, and out of that, you got vertigo. Um, even the stuff I was talking about, the sort of British adult comics that came along at the... Uh, you talk about uh, like Deadline and Escape and, you know, yeah. Blast and well, all these sort of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deadline did a great job, even though it was a, it, it came out in 88 and it was technically an 80s comic. It did a great job of anticipating the coming age, the 90s, a time of hedonism. Uh, rather than the kind of strident political conviction uh, that we'd seen in the 80s, which is what Crisis managed to grab hold of. But unfortunately, that was a vibe that was on its way out. So I'm not I'm not sure that, you know, good art comes from hard times uh, necessarily. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's an absolutely iron iron cast. Rule. Yeah, I agree. Gregory. Yeah. yeah we expected a lot of good comics to come out of uh, lockdown and COVID and didn't happen. The cupboard is bare. The cupboard is bare. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, God, that, that's a hard time to write about anyway. It's a mm, very yeah. hard time to make movies about because, of course, all the actors, you know, yeah. Yeah. wants to do that. I, I, I literally um, just saw a comic came out on Kickstarter about the pandemic the other day, and I'm like, too soon, man. Not interested. <laughs> Not backing that one. <laughs> yeah, the word yeah, pandemic's it, it, forever changed, isn't it, now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's also, you know, it's, it's kind of a pathetic time in a lot of ways because in in comics but also in in a lot of general fiction the, the notion of dystopian futures uh has always uh always 
done very well. Gotten a, a lot, made a lot of headway from from Mad Max to The Walking Dead. Hmm. After the, the bad thing happens, what will it be like? You know, how will we survive? And we got this sort of comparatively low impact apocalypse where all you had to do was wear a mask and get get vaccinated. And a lot of people couldn't even bloody do that. <laughs> yeah. our, our leadership, our leadership on both sides of the Atlantic was so bad. Oof. It was like the worst possible people to have in yeah. charge. And you're looking yeah. at that and think, God, if anything really serious ever happened. Yeah. It's finished. You know, it's you, over. You can see why people shy away from it yeah. when they're writing fiction. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of which, aren't you about to kickstart something, Garth? Are you, are you involved in? Uh, yeah. Um AWA are do have a Kickstarter running for um, a special hardcover edition of Marjorie Finnegan. Oh, cool. Um, for which I've written a new story. Uh, Goran Suzuka is going to be uh, drawing soon, and there'll be all sorts of back matter and the kind of things, the kinds of things that they they like to put in these editions. Um, I know Amanda Connor's done a really tremendous cover mm. for it. So that's <laughs> Great, yeah. good. That's, that's a yeah, wonderful you, tone setter, isn't it, Amanda Connor? Oh, and plus you're back to your partner from the pro as well which is obviously we're big fans of as well you know? oh yeah, yeah yeah i mean amanda is amanda's just terrific it's, it's been yeah. wonderful seeing her sort of getting the career that she always deserved over the past 15 or 20 years yeah come into really. her and jimmy really seem to have it sorted from an yeah. from an outsider's view yeah they really seem yeah. to know what they're doing a nice couple of people yeah yeah definitely. very much so yeah i mean mm. Uh, Amanda is just incredibly talented and Jimmy's one of those guys that can kind of turn his hand to anything and also has he's very shrewd when it comes to the business side of things so they're, they're a perfect partnership and also they're very pro comics they just yes, love they comics that's what yeah that's what yeah, we're about. hopefully getting hopefully getting one of them on soon. Yeah, or, or both. Or both. I'll see yeah, what I both. can do. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Working yeah. magic, V. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hunted down Garth Ennis, didn't I? What more do you want? Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, big big shout out by the way to Eamon who puts yeah. us in contact with yes, you, man. Eamon, oh, yeah. Eamon Clark's. Yeah. We're big friends of, of Eamon's. Yeah, yeah, he's a lovely guy. I was just on Glen yeah, with him actually. Love. Yeah, good yeah. geezer. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but what else, before we let you get on, uh, what uh, you obviously got that Kickstarter? What other titles can we look forward to in the rest of twenty twenty four? What in it, Garth um, Ennis books are we going to say? Well, let's see. Um, I'm continuing to work for, do do stuff for Rebellion, which I enjoy. I'm doing uh, more strips for 2000 AD, a couple of short things also. I think Tharg did suggest that I might do more Rogue Trooper. Oh, cool. Nice um, one. That seems to have gone down well, that. that yeah. Name. Yeah. Um, so I am indeed writing more Rogue Trooper. Uh, and there will be the the... Next collection of battle action is out at the end of the month, I think. Oh, so soon. All right, excellent. Nice. Yeah. Um, and the new series will, I believe, start running later this year. Um, so that's going to be... Uh, that that one's... I'm, I'm really pleased with the way that one's sort of going from strength to strength, but the, the next one will be 10 issues long. There'll be a Johnny Red story oh. in every issue by me, and then we'll have um, other one-offs uh by myself and other writers in in the other half of each have they been announced yet or um we i think we i I think we did say that it would be coming out and you will see you will see more of what you've seen up till now but also some new stuff so if you want to i mean uh one thing we are going to do is we're going to make sure that this time there are as many action stories as there are battle 
Okay. So you can expect <clears throat> a very large black fin to be splitting the water. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, right. At one point. Um, yeah, we've got a hell of a cover on that one, actually. So that's it for the, the British side of things. And then um, beyond that and the, the, the Punisher book, I mentioned the, and Bob's there is uh, you mentioned you like Sarah. Uh, there's yeah. a follow up to that, not a sequel, just a story set in that same world. Uh, it's called Partisan. Oh, yeah. 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 That's coming from TKO uh, sometime May, June, I think. Uh, Steve Epting just finished that. That oh, one. Fantastic. Um, it's set we roughly at the at the same time as mm. Sarah, but it's about a young woman in uh, Western Russia who has to join the partisans when the Germans invade to effectively ensure the survival mm. of her children. He's uh, such a class act, art-wise, isn't he? Have you got Elizabeth Brightweiser colouring it again, or do you know? Uh, it is Jordi Belair. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, okay, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Uh, she's finishing up now. Uh, but, Steve, yeah, Steve is amazing. Um, I was aware of his stuff before we worked together on Sarah, but... Um, uh, when you work with someone for the mm. first time, of course, you're you're never sure if you're going to click or not. Yeah. Um, and the first pages came in, and I looked at them, and I thought, well, he's nailed it, and he's nailed it, and he's nailed it. I thought, well, he can't have gotten it right all the way through. Turn, turn, turn. Gotten it perfect. Yeah. All man. the way through. One and of those was, opening scenes of her sitting in that tree is such a lovely yeah. scene, man. So well things done. Things like that made me realize, like, oh boy, this this guy's nailed it. Yeah. Absolutely, and he he went on to produce another flawless 120 pages or whatever mm. it was. And I'm pleased to say that on partisan, he has again. Amazing. Real. I will Amazing. say without yeah. obviously awesome. any spoilers because you've got to read it, folks. But the ending of Sarah, like it was sort of hinted at, there was something that mentioned something like that, and then when it paid off at the end, it was one of the most powerful endings I've read in year. I was like. Amazing. And I love the oversized yeah, collection. The oversized pages yeah, really suited yeah, it as well. Yeah. 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 Really good. Yeah. yeah. That's a good looking edition, all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we look forward to many more many many. Can I ask one one question? Did I hear you hint that you're doing more crossed as well? Uh no. Well, oh. uh, actually there is one last cross story written. Right. But Avatar are sort of in the publishing doldrums at the minute yeah um but it will come out eventually um someday i mean that that's one thing i've learned is that it might take a while but everything happens eventually okay yeah you can't cool. stop a Thanks. garth in this book it's going to appear okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, first out of your chest eventually oh what, <laughs> what an image and what a way to end the interview thank you very much garth it's been an absolute honor uh, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, fellas. Cheers. How was that then? That was Lucky. good. Great. What a dude. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Long I love it when we meet these people. We haven't been let down yet. I've got to be honest with you. Well, we meet our heroes, our yeah. comics heroes, and they turn out to be good geezers. Yes. Yeah. Touch wood. It's happening. It's been all right, isn't it? Yeah. We're on a bit yeah. of a run, guys, aren't we? We had Fingerman, we had Tony well. Fleece. We've had now we've had Garth, Terry Moore. You know, like... Yeah. 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 And yeah. we will continue to get some of those names that you lovely people out there want to hear more about whether it be the yeah. process they late you know mm. because you know the show it's not all about the hard sell we just want to know about people that love comics and love making comics mm. and that's probably why you're yeah. listening as well so we hope you enjoyed that them, you can have well, us wankers yeah yeah when we can't get anyone else it's just us three <laughs> talking like absolute <laughs> bellend come back next week for some filth <laughs> <laughs> 
Come back next week for some more beetroot talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you like beetroot talk? No, we're not getting into that. I'm story. not eating it anymore. I told you that I thought I died. I mean, speaking of, speaking of shout outs, do we, do we have any? <laughs> I have a series of shout outs. I'll start. Okay. Right. Right. If, if, you hear any click, if you hear any clicky clacking, it's because I'm furiously typing what he's saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to type this, motherfucker. Uh, uh, oh, God. Great seeing Cliff in Ashcroft, Falpy and Dan yeah. in Chinatown yeah. this week when, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we had quite the giggle, didn't we? Sat fun. around the smallest table possible for five big geezers to sit around. <laughs> we ate Chinese, but it's good. Um, Mabel and Francine by Pierre Loya is the new Kickstarter from our buddies over at Strangers Publishing. Tells the story of two cats who travel into space looking for strange treasure to escape the drudgery of their daily lives. Go back it, I have. Inkplot Festival is this weekend. Uh, the 24th of February, if, if you listen to this on the day of release. And it's at St. Thomas Centre in Manchester. Get this, guys. Three pounds entry. How good is that? Yeah, oh, uh, that's amazing. For tell you what, go, if yeah, you want to go in and buy comics, right? If you're going hmm. to en- like enter any sort of event, and this is just me being a curmudgeon anyway, but if yeah. you're going to go in to then spend more money, I don't think that the price of admission should be more than what you're going to spend when you're the, in more there. than <laughs> the price of like buying the volunteers a cup of tea. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's how I see it. It's like you don't pay to go into ASDA. No, I wouldn't yeah. go to Asda anyway, obviously, because I'm middle class. But, you know, you don't pay to go into... Where do you go? Oh, John Lewis, yeah. yeah. You don't pay to go in there to buy things, do you? you know I mean, that's the yeah. thing. No. Um, next up is it's Thought Bubble Festival. It's coming up the 16th and the 17th of November. Once again, it's back at the Harrogate Convention site uh, Centre, something that a lot of people here will be going to. Uh, a day costs you £24 and two days £33. Coco Comics Festival is back in Lancaster on the 6th of April. Uh, you can go to Coco Comics, C-O-C-O, Coco Comics.co.uk, and that is free entry. I'm glad that's coming back, because when we had... <laughs> you fucking bastard. Um, when we had them on the show uh, last year... It was, oh, of course, yeah. They're yeah, nice guys, aren't they? Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. 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 I'm glad that's yeah. back. Uh, another shout-out for Dan's Monsters on Patreon. I was looking at my Patreon the other day, and I've sort of... My, there's a couple of people who've dropped off it. A couple of people are Adrian Nishimi stopped doing his Patreon. He might come back to it, but I love that bloke. Um, more news on him. I'll tell you about it afterwards. But the, I think I've got my Patreon down to a nice little group of people. I'm going to tell you I've got. I've got uh, Dan Charlie at Dan's Monsters, which is fucking spot on. Really good. Dude. I've got uh, Gareth, Gareth Hopkins. Same. Got Danny Boy Butcher. I've got Ian Ashcroft, Kieran Squires, and Eleven Clock Comics. Um, all highly recommended by me. All value for money patrons, get on them. There Cheers, you go. T. Pleasure, mate. Um, Tales of Mystery is a collection of horror stories from the pens of Edgar Allan Poe and put together by Scotland's own horror host, the Tatty Bogle Man. I don't know what that means. It's clearly Scottish. Uh, it's now on <laughs> Kickstarter. I've had a nose into that one. It looks looks really good, actually. Like a nice thick anth- horror anthology. More more of which will be coming up in a minute. Uh, and from a, per- a purely personal point of view is cockney kung fu the collection from me and nick prolix is now out um and available we're we're actually on to the last few copies because thank you to everyone who's bought a copy i really do appreciate it if you've read it in the anthology which came out was it 2018 guys i'm gonna say yeah Yeah. i was gonna talk about this again in the the recommends oh you're very kind i'll leave it thank you mate cheers thank you that's my that's my ones who's next dan me uh, the classic Lawless 2024 <laughs> Double Tree by Hilton Hotel Bristol uh, guest list 2024 is huge. 
go check that out. It's on the 25th or 26th of May. I've got a couple of Kickstarts to show. Whenever he got... says huge, I keep, I keep expecting him to say huge. something else. Don't you? Yeah. Mm. I'm got, worried uh... when he says that word. <laughs> <laughs> guys, with great power comes little to no responsibility. The guys is the funniest, swearest comic called The Guys You'll Ever Read. That's from Rich Carrington. That's funding uh, as we speak. We've got uh, coming up uh, John Sterling Superspire in Windbreaker by uh, Dave Hingley, an A4 size 32 page full color all ages comic. Uh, go check that out now. It hasn't launched yet, but you know you can do that Kickstarter save. So oh, you get, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. An email from one of many emails you'll get from Kickstarter if you use that platform. <laughs> <laughs> and that my is favorite is my favorite is Cass Arts. I once bought something from them, and they're very friendly because they email me twice a fucking day now. <laughs> Just unsubscribe. I've they know the, yeah, yeah. they know the click rate in these marketing places, but the people aren't opening them. They still send them. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. I know. Especially when it's like, oh, have you got one of our loyalty cards? No. Do you want one? No. Yeah, no. Right, no, I'm okay. Thanks. Or if the madness overcomes you, you're like. Yeah, all right then. I'll get ten percent off. Can we have your email? That's it. It's uh, done then. You're yeah, cursed. Yeah. Cursed. Your trousers being pulled down. Your inbox. Forever. They just sign here, and you sort of nick your finger, and a drop of blood lands. I got that, dude. Fine. Like, like. <laughs> 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 That'd be twenty four ninety nine, please. Um, yeah. Anyway, that, that <laughs> almost came across as cynical. But uh, nah, let's move no. on to what the recommends. Cynical, what a cynical way to look at it. As Dan said, <laughs> let's recommend some lovely comics to you lovely people. Tony, start us yeah, off, first, boy. First one, hanky babes. Uh, a dog, <laughs> a dog's in dungeons tale. The Bula Dog Barbarian. This is eight dollars, A five, perfect bound, black and white. Created by Justin Morales, published by our buddies again at Strangers Publishing. What human survived the nuclear apocalypse can no longer be called human. I don't call them humans. Then dog and insects <laughs> remain. Fighting for scraps out of the muck and the mire, a hero rises. Um, this is about a barbarian dog. <laughs> what is it, me and animals? I don't week? know. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I forgot to say to you that I, I started reading Cat Shit One the other day. Oh, did you? Any good? <laughs> yeah, blew my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I said that was good. Yeah, I, I was looking at it going, well. Jesus fucking Christ, is this a war comic? <laughs> it's quite rough as well, isn't it? Yeah. Their little cute, cute rabbit faces yeah. Yeah. being gunned down. Or, or they're just absolutely mullering a load of cats. <laughs> anyway, you were saying, you were saying. Yeah, okay. So this, this is um, an anthropomorphic dog, uh, somewhere between. I'm going to say he looks a bit somewhere between a dog and a pug, a bulldog and a pug. I'd say, and he's got those like boss what's eyes. That, what's that? A bug? A, yeah, a, 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 that's what they're called. Yeah. that would be a crap name, wouldn't it? Like a yeah, I don't like that. Bulldog. Um, and a pug. Right. He, he, there's, there's separate sections to this, and what Morales, Justin Morales, who created it, has done is he's he's done the. Um, a series of pages, but he tells a story using other artists as well. So um, Benjamin Wright, he does. He's got a, quite a looser, cartoony, comedic touch to his art. He tells one part, which is a big fight. Um, William Mello handles a battle with a big horned monster, and then deals with the sort of feast afterwards. And he's got more of a cleaner line. Um, so the, it's a whole story, and the bits that um, Justin does are sort of narr- first-person narration talks about traveling across this sort of apocalyptic wasteland and stuff like that. And then you get these other bits. Well, you do that fight with this monster. You do this and that, you know, and that sort of thing. So he gets these other, other in. I've seen William Mello is really good. Gunnar Leather, Leatherwood um, is the third of the collaborative artists inside the book. And he's, he sadly passed away actually before the production of the book, which I see, I see in the, the back pages. And he's got a really nice, hard, brushy, thick 
outline line which i really liked um probably my favorite artist in there and, and, and it, clearly it's sad loss to cartooning as well um the covers by goran gligovic logo and designs by andre lucan um yeah and it's sort of it's narrated in that barbarian that we're used to hearing that battle weary uh battle weary tones of the warrior as he walks his way across it and i say it's, it's narrated um and he's telling he, he's basically writing to his lost love and a female dog i'm guessing called rose telling her of his mission to make the world a better place he talks about his daily struggles and the death of those close to him um and then obviously morales uses these other artists to to sort of break up this sort of narration with just big action big action set pieces that run for sort of five or six pages each and it's just a really fun read it's only a small size thing um i guess it's dogs and dungeons i'm guessing is going to be a series if it, if it's done well okay um I haven't heard back from Eddie, actually. I must ask him about it. It's, in fact, it was him who gave me this. He sat in my read pile since SPX when he gave me a copy. Um, really solid art. Very, They do complement each other well, all black and white, um, all underground but very readable. You know, we always talk about this thing about underground. Sometimes you think, that's I can't fucking read that. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. But the, this is really good. Um, I had a look, and I can't see it currently on Third Bear at the moment. Maybe it's going to come back on there. But you, if you go to strangerspublishing.com, if you're in the States, you'll be able to get a copy. I think Gosh had some at some point. So they, you may find they've still got some in there. Um, but it's worth looking out, as is anything coming out of Strangers. We love those guys. Um, they're, they're really pushing their publishing side now, which is great to see. And I'm, I look, I'm looking forward to seeing Eddie. I'm hopefully going to see him, if not if not in uh, June, probably see him in, in October in New York. But yeah, he's a top guy. Yeah, that's my first one, guys. Nice. Dan, what's yours? Uh, I've got two. I can start off with uh, a book Tony recommended to me, and it's uh, Peacemaker Tries Hard. Oh, man, this uh, has yeah. got you written fucking yeah, large. Oh, it? Yeah, fucking love it. Oh, I could, <laughs> just couldn't put it down. Uh, That's great. Carl Stark, Steve Pugh, and Geordie Below on the colours. And if you're familiar with the uh, John Cena Peacekeeper uh, Peacemaker TV series, this is like the companion book. It's yeah. but better, I'd say. Carl yeah. Starts kind of has a much better understanding of the character and what makes bigger it budget fun. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes, massive budget on it, and they can use stuff from comics that you wouldn't be able to get away with in the uh, TV series. Very much the similar vein that you got Peacemaker, who's kind of left the Suicide Squad and he's under he's operating on his own, dev- own devices, and uh, he comes as he's busting up a terrorist ring. He comes into possession of like the cutest dog he's ever seen. It looks like he's got like a little, like a little black dog with a, a white marking on his chest that looks like a bow tie, and because he thinks he looks so smart, he calls him Bruce Wayne, which <laughs> which ends up sort of into like a couple of scenarios later on in the book where he's on the phone to Amanda Wallace and yeah, Bruce Wayne's been kidnapped and she's absolutely freaking out and like mobilizing the the. The, the, the uh, suicide squad and everyone she can to come and rescue Bruce Wayne because obviously Peacemaker doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is but his secret yeah. identity so it's quite a nice comic touch in that and then all the way through it's just fun gags uh, if you like the humour on this show you'll kind of get that yeah. in, in here It's but there's a knowledge of old school comics I mean yes. Red B appears in it doesn't he Red B a character I was unfamiliar with I haven't read Red B since he was in All Star Squadron in like nineteen eighty three or something. Yeah, so yeah. he turns up as uh, a character to look in on uh, Peacemaker, and he, he becomes quite an integral part of it. And even his, he has a bit of a sacrifice, but that's 
great. And there's there's a moment where uh, Peacemaker's uh, speaking to like one of the, the, the big bads and saying, like, I need some information. And they're in a diner. And he goes, well, what I'm going to do is if you don't give it to me. And he picks up a napkin dispenser. He's like, I'm going to shove this all the way up your wrinkly old ass. <laughs> and this this guy who's like an old man, but like and he's lived like an extended period of life. And he's like, do you think in all my lifetime, I've never had a napkin dispenser in my rectum. Do you really consider that a threat to me? And there's a pause. <laughs> and he goes, well, you'd be right. It's incredibly uncomfortable and I despised it. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's really good. I really recommended it. I, I bought it as a hard hard copy, and it's like twenty quid. But if it goes out in a soft copy, maybe invest in it. But I, I, it was a real banger. It's I a really lovely hardback. It. I might yeah. buy myself it because I read it digitally on the app. Oh, I fancy getting a hardback of that. It's, it's got good. all the yeah. variant covers in, which are, are an absolute mm-hmm. fucking joy in the back. Because uh, there's like sort of movie po- old school movie posters uh, with all the credits at the bottom. Uh, it's just an absolute plethora of fantastic covers on it I, yeah. I really can't recommend this enough I, I loved it amazing so cheers T thanks for pointing me at yeah, that and oh I pleasure need, man I need, yeah. to, I need to get yeah you need to get on yeah. 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 yeah yeah right up my right up my street as is my yeah. recommendation but not with a napkin holder no <laughs> oh right up um, but my issue one and recommendation I read so many comics like this week but um, it's, I managed to get another issue one in there Um from a few months ago, I, I, I like to. The wonderful thing about like this issue one, it's not. I'm not treating it like new issues of the week. Like sometimes I see these series that I may have missed out on, and I'm like, oh, perfect time, read the issue one, and then I've got another four issues or so to catch up on. Do you know what I mean? So if I like it, yeah. So I went, I went back in time a little bit, and the story's a little bit back in time. This is a book from IDW. It's an IDW original, um, which I believe uh, the Hunger and the Dusts. Is as well. Oh, okay. Is, is that an original? It's, it is an idea. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. that's the line. They lost a few, didn't they, when they yeah. had that financial thing? But yeah. they kept a few. So, the, fortunately, Christian's book survived that. And yeah. this is uh, Scott Snyder presents Dark Spaces, which um, there's a set. Has this come out of his Substack or something? Is that one of those? It may have been because I remember there yeah. was a, the, when this originally this line was originally announced. It was Wildfire, I think it was called. Okay. Um, this book is the Hollywood Special. Um, written by Jeremy Lambert, art by Claire Rowe, colours by Geordie Belair, once again mentioned on this show, letters yep. by Becca Carey. Um, and the synopsis for this is, All aboard the Hollywood Special, the 1942 luxury train touring the United States to support the war effort. On board is fading star Vivian Drake, doing her part to boost morale and finally giving the tabloids something other than her nosediving career and shambles of her family life to write about. But when the special pulls into the coal mining town of Minersville, PA, amid the collapse of a mine, Vivian finds herself facing every failure and bad memory she's bottled up in the form of what the miners found in the dark, the thing they call the mismatch man, who feeds on pain and regret, and Vivian's got both in spades. Um, This sort of came out of the blue to me. I think I saw... I've never heard of this. I saw uh, one of the later covers. I love, you know, I love stories in that sort of golden age of Hollywood as well, you know, that kind of um, era. And uh, so I thought, oh, I'll start back. I mean, issue one on Comixology is uh, £1.43 at the moment. Um, You can... You can get, I think, the first three or four issues are only only a couple of pounds, if that, if you want to catch up. I think the last issue's just about to come out. It's one of six. This is a six-issue series. Um, 
and I just sat down just just thinking okay it's obviously uh, dark spaces we're clearly going for like a maybe a horror or ghostly sort of tint sometimes these stories are a little bit hit and miss like they they aim for a target and don't and spend too much focusing on one thing rather than another does that make sense like they get yeah. caught up in their own sort of <clears throat> sense of like oh aren't we flashy this book i rinsed through issue one i bought the next two issues which i haven't read yet because i wanted this i wanted this particular recommend to just be about what i've just read um so i'm so when we finish this i'm going to read issue, the next couple of issues oh. um because immediately i was taken by just that the first page opens up on vivian drake sitting there cigarette in hand on a she op- smokes. opulent, yeah, opulent. You know, like she's got her legs crossed. She's a, you know, a, she's a classy dame on an opulent, <laughs> op. She, you know, she's on an opulent sort of a chaise lounge sort of like sofa type type thing. And the we'll room there, she, the room that she's around, she's in, is on fire. Um, so immediately, like, oh right. So it it does a, the story does a wonderful um, Lambert's writings. It's not overwritten, which I love about this. It lets the art sort of um, both in its layout and its design elements like that. You go from panels to the panels are then a reel of old film, which is then burning at the bottom. It it does a lot of these symbolic, you know, um, representations of someone's celluloid career. Maybe not. It's sort of coming to an end or it's it's tarnished. Um, But it's never at the forefoot of the story. Um. The, the thing that's sort of completely off guard, Claire Rowe, as an artist, um, I was kind of unaware of her work before. Um, fucking brilliant artist. <laughs> this is someone that would be... You know, you know when you... Um, I mean, going back to Garth Ennis just briefly, you know when you see, like, Goran Parlov is a perfect sort of yeah. combination for yeah. Garth's work. Claire Rowe's artwork would be beautiful, beautifully accompaniment for a garth ennis sort of story sort of period setting story it's it's stunning because there is every figure is individual you know there's there's no um you get a sense of there's there's reference you know there's reference there it clearly looks like it's of the time but it still looks like a comic yeah she she does interesting things with vivian drake coming to the end of her career she just smokes and drinks and like you know she's reading a, a letter from her daughter her, her estranged daughter and it's not a very nice letter um uh, <laughs> and uh you know you you immediately within two pages two to three pages you know exactly what this character's like but by telling that story it's not just talking heads there's a page of you're seeing vivian drake look at this letter knocking back a drink but the panels are reflections of the bottles that are in front of her, so the bottles work like panel. It's it's really nice use of um, sort of comic booking. I think it's just, but it, but it only does it sparingly. It still goes back to like a a comic like format afterwards. It doesn't overdo it. You know, it's still telling the story. You have her sort of uh, partner Lou Gaines, who was in. You see a movie poster called The Flying Aces. You know those classic old sort of movie posters. He's yeah. all chiselled. He was a he was a war hero. Cut to him looking at the poster now, and he's uh he's m- maybe not looking his best anymore. He doesn't look completely grizzled, but you can t- the body underneath the, the the shirt isn't as chilled as it used to be. So the the two people that are really cynical, um, but when they had when they arrive at this town, this miner's town, 
they expect like loads of people to be waving and you know just getting signatures etc and the town's completely empty apart from one girl who's there with a, a flyer saying she's she pinky promised that she was going to be there to get a signature because the town's had this accident and they decide to help out um it's almost like we start the story at a character's very at their lowest ebb at the moment where they decide maybe to change that but by changing that are they then going to be sort of rep are they going to come face to face with all their failures because the horror and i'm i can tell this is going to be a horror style book only really comes in into it on the last sort of three pages but it's enough to make me think what's going on you know i was all yeah the characters (laughs) had me but then the last couple of pages when they're trying to clear this mining gear of all these rocks that have like made it sort of sort of seize up and jam up she sees something that she that shouldn't it shouldn't be there is she seeing it is she not seeing it well you're gonna have to read issue two that kind of and and i love that sort of ending of like okay i'm i'm in i suddenly realized i'm completely in on this i'm invested in the characters and there's a weird uh supernatural character called the mismatch man which is a brilliant name for a horror horror villain um so thoroughly impressed with this i'm gonna keep going with it um like i say six issues so it's gonna make a nice little trade they do have uh it's idw so there's some um alternate covers in the back as you can see, and they're wonderful sort of... Some of these covers look like classic old comics, like EC comics okay. as well. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? I never see this stuff on the shelf. No, I know. Yeah. I know, it's, Always, it's crazy. We only ever see it on digital, don't we? It's mad, yeah. isn't it? I know, I know. And it's it's a shame because some of these books, you know, we, we talked about... I mean, I know I, I railed about sort of comic covers not too long ago. But, I mean, I'm just looking at this cover now in front of me, which already sort of had my attention. But... The, it already tells a story, you, yeah. you know, but it, but it doesn't overdo it. There's lots going on. It it was a it was a surprise. It was a delight, and I think, I mean, hopefully, a lot of people won't. This won't go um, under their radar, especially in the UK. Like say, Tony, like our books like this, do they appear on the shelves? Do you see? No. Um. So if you do see it on your travels, pick it, pick up the old issues, or pick it up on digital. Because I think it's going to be, if it continues like this, a cracking series. And and Claire Rowe, uh, I'm, it's immediately one of those. Okay, I'm watching this artist now. I think she's done some work with uh, Marvel. She's done a couple of things for Marvel, but this I was like, very good, very very impressive. So that's Dark Spaces, the Hollywood Special, number one. There you go. That's nice work, man. Uh, nice one. Do you want? Do you want to do your second one? <clears throat> yes, uh, Penny has already brought up, but uh, Cockney Kung Fu. <laughs> Hey, oh, thank you, mate. Absolute filth. No, long time coming, but it's, <laughs> it's great. I reread it again uh, this weekend, and it's just lovely stuff. It's uh, it's great, isn't he? Yeah, he's mm. Nick Pollock's on the art. Tony uh, wrote it uh, as part of our, our anthology we did. There's a, a bit at the beginning when you've uh, reminisce about when this came out, and it was like with the four. We did it at three cons, and then the fourth one. I think it was true believers at the time wasn't it with the first yeah. book and the last book but it made me think oh fucking ask what it was like at the time that was sort of like 2018 was it i think it was yeah i think 2018 you're right. yeah. so it's oh yeah it's like a lifetime ago <laughs> yeah but, and it just yeah i had, such hopes, and, a great I had hopes and dreams then <laughs> they get dashed uh so they came true <laughs> is there copies still available for this to you if people want it there's a couple left 
Yeah, we've got a couple left. So you go to um, tributepress.com, is that right? Uh, if you go to neverideanything.bigcartel.com. Never yeah. Okay. yeah. And all money raised goes to Mind Charity. All the profits, yeah. All so I profits. paid I paid the artist, um, paid the designer um, and print costs, and everything after that goes to Mind. Yeah, I don't I don't make any money out of it. Yeah, it just goes straight. Nice work. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. It's great too. You yep. can make comics and give them money to charity. As we... Look at that, eh? Yeah. 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 Everyone can do it. Do you know yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Everyone we, we, can do look, it. Look, look. You know, you can talk about it as well, and then not do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We're not we're not going to make our fortunes from the comics, so let's do something. No, with it. Fuck yeah. that's how you choose to do it, man. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. yeah. I I have a good wage. I don't need to make money. I do this for fun, yeah. and nobody's allowed to tell me that I can't do that. So I do it. Yeah, yeah. But last time I got this, I told you so before. When I got the the Kickstarter money through for Viper, the first one, well, oh, nice. You know, got a bit of money in, and then I think like the two days later, my Hooker blew up as a oh, your, new your, your Did you hooker. say hooker? I thought hooker. he said hooker. hooker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't blow up hookers, so just drive them out somewhere. But uh, <laughs> I, I heard. A, I heard. I, I heard a noise, and I went to the kitchen, looked into the, the cooker, and she and had exploded. Like, <laughs> where the fan was going around, there was like flames and sparks coming out. Jesus, I was like, fuck! So like all that money went in, went in one hand, and then went out the other. Lovely story. Yeah. <laughs> speaking uh, of T, is it your second one? Yeah, speaking okay. of lovely stories, finish it Yeah, off. speaking of lovely stories, um, a bit more. Is it is it nepotism? If Yeah, technically you're my brother. Yes. You? So that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so Grim Scary Tales from TVH Comics. This is hey. um, a, a black and white horror anthology. Um, genuine. I don't just say it because Dan's in it and helped organise it. This is one of the best anthologies I've read. Oh, Genuinely you, so. Cheers. Yeah. Um, Try our best. <laughs> It's strong from page one to the end. Um, and what I liked about it is the attention to storytelling that you do, mm. guys. Um, so much, and I mean this about horror in any medium, is watered down dog shit these days. <laughs> Especially mainstream, big company horror. It's fucking bollocks. The place is to find people who actually get into the dirty, fucking nasty, actually fucking twisting the tail horror is small people like us. And I think you do this well here, mate. Um TBH is, as I believe it, is run by Dan, Damien Edwardson, and Kieran Squires, uh, and they've put out quite a few things already. Let's not let's not dwell on that, because um, it's not all horror, is it, Dan? Is that no, right? Are we allowed to say that? No. Yeah, yeah. To some, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not to me, not to me. Um, so there's, it's got. I'm going to say, Dan, you'll tell me. There's three variant covers. One by you, which is the one with the the big tits. Um, yes. One by Ian, which has got that sort of. Uh, uh, how you describe, how would you describe me in this oh, one? Oh man, that's a tough uh, one. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a painterly kind of cult horror kind of thing the, to it. Yeah, there's a there's a, um, a Warren magazine feel to it. Yes, and then who who did the Dave Stevens vibe one? There's the other a, one? he, he Damien painted the main figure, and I kind of added in the background and just made it fleshed it out. But, but essentially, oh. it's Damien's work. It looks like a Dave Stevens cover to me. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to have favourites because I did enjoy it all. I think um, the couple—I'll go through a couple. Um, everyone gets a shout out. Just every, you know, everyone gets a partition, participation medal for this particular comment from me. But the maze by Daryl Smith and Dan Butcher—it drops. What I liked about this one drops you in the action straight away. Breathless chase from page one. Really like that, and a genuinely well-made um, twist. Uh, Kieran's sixty-two days. Um, really dense, old-school style to- storytelling. Um, with the last panel that makes you go, oh, okay, 
I get you. Which I like. I like the way you held it back, held it back, held it back. And then you get it on the last panel. No spoilers. Beyond Redemption, which is by Dan Ewan. Is it Mike Marshall? Yes. I don't know Mike, but he does like our stuff on Twitter and things, isn't he? he is he? He's a great guy. He uh, did the Gods of Men comic. We First couple of uh, years of the show, yeah, we yeah. did that. He's been a long-time listener and supporter. And uh, he, nice he's, a, he's a dude. Mm. That's nice, because they... Um, I, re- I really like that. It looks, it's got a sort of pulp story feel to it. Um, but then pulls the biscuit out for me at the end. I've got to tell you, yeah, yeah. nicely done. Um, Poster Boy by Damien and Martin, Damien Edmondson and Martin Feekins. Always like, always like those guys, but I, I haven't seen Martin since not, um, Nottingham last year. I like, I like Martin a lot. Um, That's a strong one. I really, really like that strong. One. Really like that. Reminded me of the good days of 2000 AD. This could be a time twister or a, a, yeah. a, a, a sort of future shock from then. I think really could be. Uh, and then Job for Life from Damien and Helena, aren't I too? Um, this makes me never want to go on teams. <laughs> I mean, there's a dread of it anyway, but yeah, yeah. it's even worse. <laughs> Occasionally, me and Helena talk on teams, and uh, I hope she didn't get this from one of our calls. God, I hope not. Yeah, but it's very good. Um, Dude, you lot, you guys are quietly turning into something. I've got to tell you, something. there's something coming on here. I like it a lot. There's there's always that thing about horror comics is they seem to be done by, you know, a little group of people who keep almost keep themselves themselves but build up some... Hellbound Media are the same. They're building up a nice library of books. Mm. There's people out there who are doing this. I think you... TB, is it called TBH now? Isn't it still TBH? To be honest, comics. To be honest, comics, yeah. Um, really are doing that, man. You've got quite a little arsenal of books now, haven't you? Yeah, it's building uh, up. Kind yeah. of just keep the whole thing is just like putting out books and doing comics. This for the that's what we like doing. And yeah, working on the craft. I was thinking about this today. Maybe this is a subject for another thing, but this fucking bollocks about fifty percent of comics is selling you comics. No, it's fucking not. This a hundred percent of making comics is a hundred percent of making comics. Yeah. You want to sell them, that's a whole other fucking ball game. You wanna make good comics, that's what it should be all about, and this is what you're doing here, I think. It's good with the benefit of Kickstarter as well, I guess. But yeah. uh, if you go to TBH Comics on Twitter, stroke X, I've written in my notes, and then on Instagram, it's uh, TBH underscore Comics. You can find them on Instagram there. Uh, yeah, keep doing it, remember we did that Halloween contest. Yeah, that's in here, isn't it? That's yeah. in there. That three panel one, uh, three page one is in there. Yeah, who's so, the writer on that one again, man? Uh, escapes my mind at the I'm moment. Getting it, I'm getting it, Tony. No, the, the Tony Vanrys was the one before, so oh, that right, one's in yeah. here as well. But there's one at the back with uh, there's the chap in the hospital bed. Oh, Mickey Mickey Blackwell. Yes, sleep paralysis. It. Yeah, that's good as well. Yeah, I yeah. remember reading that when it came in. That was a good one. Yeah. So uh, I'll be sending once we get the Kickstarter done. I'll be sending uh, copies out to Mickey and Tony, and uh, great stuff. Hopefully, selling the remaining issues. So if you're you're interested in getting a copy yourself, uh, stay tuned. Where can I get that from, Baby Cakes? Uh, it will be through the D and Z. DC right. big big cartel store <laughs> when uh, I didn't get to show you my trainers on Tuesday, did I? No, no. Why? On the side of my training, I've got uh, embossed. It, it says Dece. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've caught a couple of people with them. So you see them on the side of my trainers there. Well, Dece. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> as as you know, folks, we're a very mature comics podcast. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, but we hope you have enjoyed this week's delve into the world of comics. We're, as you can tell, we're kind of high 
on comics yeah, at the yeah. moment. The best kind of drug is the sequential yeah, uh, medium. Next uh, to crack. <laughs> <laughs> but comics are cheaper. Bit more destructive. Just about. Just, just about. about. Just yeah. about. What's that saying? Get your kids into comics. They won't have money for drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this podcast is free, so we really appreciate you yeah. listening to us on a weekly basis. If there's anything um you want us to talk about if you've got any events or comics coming up or anything perhaps there's some process chat that um you mm-hmm. want us to talk about we'll get into that a bit more as the year goes on as well as all yeah. these stellar names we're bringing in for the show of which we're trying to line up even more um, i've got i had a brilliant name for a possible month we're going to do as well which i'm quite proud of oh don't don't spoil it yet i'm not gonna good and of course there may be some uh other themed like months coming up but We'll announce yes. that soon enough. But if there's anything else you want us to talk about, then you can, there's several different ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us, awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at awesomecomicspod on X. X. It's horrible. I, it's on Twitter. X. On, X. on Twitter, it's at the awesome pod, uh, even mm. though it is um, But we will, of course, be posting up about the show and sort of uh, retweeting and... Also on the Instagram, just sharing the joy of comics and stuff that we enjoy. None of, none of this other bullshit and soapbox. We cracked a thousand on Instagram, didn't we? Yay! Thousand, thousand, thousand and three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, thank you to any if you're any of those list uh, any of those people who follow on the Instagram listening. Hello. Yeah, it's well, quite a busy what, place. The Instagram. Yeah, we yeah. put up loads of nice art and stuff. Come yeah. have a look. Talk about as, recommends. As is the Slack community. Um, yes. please, That's the if, best place. If Two you new want, members yesterday. If you want to, um, I know we, we mentioned it on uh, a weekly basis, but seriously, if you just want a really nice place for uh, comic readers, comic fans, comic creators, just a nice community. And worldwide, you know. We've got a guy yeah. come on yeah. from, he yeah. sent us a lovely message yeah. from Japan. Yeah. Hey, we, there you go. Yeah, yeah, we are a UK podcast, but this community is worldwide. And uh, you know that's how we discover things from all over the world because you you yeah. have to. So yeah, get in touch with us. Join the <clears> Slack community. There's loads of different channels, um, whether it be to keep the conversation going about what we've talked about this week in the podcast discussion, to rants, to art, to all kinds of stuff. Um, so watch that. Um, I just I, I'm not always active on it, but I'm reading it a lot. I love listening to the the well thought out discussion that people have on there. Some good points made, especially this week. It was on it's fire. adult. Adult fucking, not the sort of, no, but, but not 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 sort. <laughs> no, the, the meme channel is just fucking, you know. Yeah. But yeah. like quite reason, rational kind of discussion and sensible. Yeah, and... Yeah. yeah. Good people, and uh, a lot of people who make some great comics, and mm. uh, that could be you out there. So thank you for listening to yeah. this episode and all our previous, whether it be on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com. If you listen on the Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a review, helps the word get out about the show. We had a nice comment on the Podbean page recently. Listen oh, to well. Yeah, they listened to episode one and said it's great to see how it all started. <laughs> if you're listening to this, thank you very much. When we were it children. Does, yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, episode one, where you can, if you wonder what that clicking I is, got the it's me pen, nervously yeah. clicking a pen. Um, <laughs> those days are long behind me because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pro with... He's uh, a I quill do, now. Yeah. I, do, I do the words good. Um, <laughs> it's been a nervous energy plan with your rectum. What? What? What did he say? What? I say you spend it's that always nervous. No, 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 time. No, 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 we, it's always no, this time. No, he does we, it every week. We heard you, Dan. I just want to know what, why your mind went there. <laughs> it went straight to your rectum. It's, it's always there. <laughs> Listen, 
Just open your front of your pants. You'll see his face looking back at you. Oh my god, this is a David Lynchian fucking nightmare <laughs> that you probably listen to on Apple or perhaps Spotify or Amazon Stitcher, Podnose, Podnose. What are the networks we on, Tony? We're on the other network, Dan. I'd like you to ask me. Did I? I want you to say to me, Tony. Did you go to university? Tony, did you go to university? I did, Dan. I went to the University of Tapping That Ass. That's quite a long URL, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You got to watch Curb. Are you not watching yeah. Curb? No, no Curb. I'm not. Oh my god, it's fucking brilliant. I started That's... watching some of the previous seasons today. That's, That's... Curb Your oh, Enthusiasm oh. to anyone yeah. who may not know oh, what oh. I'm talking about. Uh... JB Smooth is he should win the Oscars, the Emmys, he should win everything. The Eisners, everything. He's won Tony's heart. Yes. <laughs> As have you lovely people for listening to this show. Thank you again to uh, Garth Ennis for joining us this week. Yeah, and, that was uh, good, isn't it? Yeah, another shout out to Eamon for helping us set that up. Yeah, I was texting him. Yeah. Um, where can you find us online, etc.? Tony? com. Can't say fairer than that. What about Dan? Thank you. You can find me on X at Vanguard <laughs> Comic. You can read Vanguard at VanguardComic.com. Have you just have have you just like been eating like the Lucas A tablets like straight? Have you like like you know what it was? I, I had a half hour kip before that we came on the show and it's done oh, me the world of good. And he's hard I love as a rock. Sunday kip. I love he's, a Sunday he's, kip. He's, he oh, woke, it's great. He woke up ready to go. Yeah. Not so. What? You ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Hard as a rock. Yeah. A Cat couldn't scratch it. Grab my socks. Out of goes. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! You can find, me, this you can find <laughs> me online at on social media at Only Justin fans. Diablo. <laughs> I haven't set one of them up yet, though. I might need <laughs> no. You, well, while you're hysterically playing with your anus, you could yeah. maybe you know. No, I do, look. This feverish. Don't start the rumor. No, don't, don't fucking start the rumor. Because otherwise, I'll, I'll fucking start rumors about you guys, and I'm pretty good with Photoshop. So fucking. Somebody started yourself. a rumor that I had a tail, and I didn't care. <laughs> well, you do. I know. That was a tail I saw, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, actually. Touch it. Move what? your hand up and down. Oh, go on. While I'm doing that, then. <laughs> actually, I was about to do a sound effect then, but I, I know how good my Foley work is, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, while we're um, trying to grow up, go have a brilliant no. week, everyone. Read loads of comics that make you happy or make you think or make you just make you want to make comics. And if, mm. you do, if you do make comics, let us know about them. And yeah. I guess until we come back to the same bat channel and same bat time or whenever you listen to this show, have a brilliant week. And as always, from Dan, Tony and myself, there's, I think there's only one thing the listeners need to do. What's yeah. that? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. of the comic series Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. And we were speaking about... What was about... that one? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It's perfectly fine, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I can't.
I can't. You fucker. Right, hold on. Okay. This cut in, cut in the next bit. Okay, okay. I came into a load of money recently, but I had to, I had to clear it up oh, afterwards. Oh, fucking, I knew you were going to Was it notes or coins? Suppences. Oh, sorry, gents. Was that too far? Vince, you are no, disgusting. Sorry. I'm a pig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. We need to cut out that Vince, you are disgusting, and you admitting you're a pig and put it in the end of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah.